Oh, I liked how you said it. And thanks, listeners, for listening to our shit. I felt yeah. like it was such a good summary. It was. It was a good summary. So I liked. I liked that. And shout out. It made me giggle. Now, should that be our regular thing? Thanks for listening to our. Yeah, I said let's try it out. I liked it. All right. We'll we'll see if that catches on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when I like, would try out new like catchphrases around my friends, and they'd be like. <laughs> What? Look, Paul, we're not going to make Fetch happen. I just wanted to be cool. <laughs> Craig is recording this, right? This yeah, is Craig is recording good, this. This is already no, some I'm, good I'm pre-show banter. Putting, yeah, I'm definitely putting <laughs> this before the show of me going, I just wanted to be cool. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Silly Marillion. Uh, today, Silly Marillion, of course, being the podcast of... Wow, what a great intro. <laughs> My mind... Just, Take two. This is, you know, I might just keep this, but... Hello, everyone. <laughs> welcome to Silly Marillion, the podcast where I, Paul, a lifelong Tolkien fan and scholar, uh, talk with Tori my online friend and relative newbie to all things Tolkien. Tori, welcome welcome to the show. Oh, the, thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. This is our third, fourth episode? Fourth episode? Fourth. Time flies when you're having fun. Fourth. Wow. I also wow. like how you said Scala. Scholar. You are quite yeah. the Scala. Um, Scholar. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, last time when we were... Reco- uh, Last tell the, time. Tell the folks what they missed on Glee. Yeah. Last time on Glee. God, Glee. Yeah, I don't even want to. <laughs> that was my love to hate it show. When oh, I God. Young. It was everyone's love to hate it show. It was. Well, I just love to just not. Like, I legitimately hated it and people who watched it. <laughs> even the early stuff? The early stuff was good. Corey, I don't think you realize how old I was at that time. I don't know how old you are, Paul. It's like a middle school boy. Like, but a theater it. kid. But a theater kid, yeah. So it really should have been up your alley. Should it have? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, that's for our Glee podcast. We'll dive deeper into it there. We have too many podcasts, Corey. <laughs> anyway, last time. We covered uh, the darkening of Valinor, in which Morgoth and the giant spire Ungoliant uh, essentially killed the two trees of Valinor, stole the Silmarils, and Feanor just kind of threw his hands up in the air and went, fuck! And <laughs> then, uh, also they kill his dad. Maybe I should have added that. <laughs> Man, but really, was... it was the Silmarils he was most concerned about. Yeah. He was he was a little peeved about his dad dying, but who isn't? Um, <laughs> so uh, he essentially gathered up the other members of the Noldor, uh, his folk among the elves, and was like, "Hey, we're getting a pretty raw deal from these Valar. They can't even protect themselves or their light. Uh, so you know what? Let's get some fucking revenge. Let's go after this son of a bitch." You know, and... for the trees, I agree. I was so sad about the trees. Yeah. It's... The Silmarils, I'm like, eh. But <laughs> You're eh about the Silmarils? I still don't you see why they're allowed. so hyped. You are not allowed in our fan or fan club. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to get kicked off of this podcast. Grand. They seem cool, but I don't see the obsession Fanor has with them quite yet. And now, if everyone had your point of view... The, all so many bad things could have been avoided <laughs> if everyone was just like, "Oh, that's that's a bummer. The trees got destroyed." Don't see the big deal about these Silmarils, though. Anyway, it just seems like a lot of stress for a couple vape pens. God, I hate that they are <laughs> vape pens now. Really good vape pens, okay? 
Uh... They got like, I don't know, cotton candy vape juice. <laughs> Anywho. So, Feyenoord has a Trump rally and then gets everyone worked up. And he's like, wait a minute. I have an idea. Let's leave. And then they just leave. Uh, they all just kind of follow him. And didn't yeah. they get like a huge warning at the end there? They're like, maybe you shouldn't do this. And Yeah, they got a warning from the Valar, but like Feanor responds with, well, at least I'm not doing nothing. Just sitting on your ass, lazy motherfuckers. And everyone was like, he's right. He's actually doing something. That so, seems like such a sassy comeback to your parents. It does. Like, hey, yeah, mom and dad, I may be doing drugs, but at least I'm not doing nothing. Yeah, go back to watching your extreme home makeover or whatever. <laughs> go back go to back watching to HGTV. Yeah. Moving your furniture with your 70s blue colored carpet. I told you that in confidence. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, so... They're all going Fingolfin, Feanor's half-brother. He's kind of trying to show that he wants to be Feanor's full brother, so he leads his people. Uh, Finarfin, Fingolfin's full brother, he is, uh, he, he's very apprehensive about it, but a lot of like his kids are excited to go and along with Feanor and discover this new world of Middle-earth, so he's kind of following along for the time being. Adventure! Remind me where they were before. What the so they the... are in Valinor. Okay. Uh, this kingdom on Aman, which is like this far western continent. Yeah. Which is only where the elves live, basically, for this time. Um, now well, we're headed to Middle that. Earth. And now they're heading to Middle Earth. I've heard now, of Middle Earth a little bit. Yes. Middle Just Earth a little bit. is the main place where everything happens. It is the central continent where everything occurs. So um, is there like a left earth and a right earth or like a top earth and a bottom earth? Well, since it's in the middle. Tolkien basically lifted the idea from Midgard in uh, Nordic mythology. You got Ooh. Asgard and then Midgard and Midgard literally basically just means middle earth. Paul, because... I love how I can ask a question. Any question, and you'll have the answer. You're welcome. The, the scholar really we... runs deep. I'm very impressed. The the scholar does not. I, if you ask for any specific quotes from Tolkien himself, I cannot give them to you. But <laughs> this is generally the idea of where he got it from, because he nice. was a big nerd himself. So, so yeah, they want to get to Middle Earth. The problem is they have two options. One, they can go by land, because at the far northern and, no, I think just at the far northern edge, at the far northern edge of Amon, this western continent, it almost touches Middle-earth. Uh, but the thing is, it's like the Bering Strait in Alaska or something, where oh. there's so much ice and, like, it's the Bering Strait if global warming wasn't destroying the Arctic. Like, <laughs> okay. Or think better of uh, like the Northwest Passage or something. Uh, all those like islands up in, like above Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like very dangerous to cross. Like the ice cracks and moves. Their world probably doesn't have global warming. They're a little yeah, more responsible. Yeah, not yet. Well, yeah. Given how much of an environmentalist Tolkien was, they probably don't. Yeah. Um, but Gotta yeah, protect fence. Uh, that area up there is called the Helkraxe, which oh, uh, heck. which Say it means for me one more time. Helkraxe. I'm not gonna try and repeat that. Uh, nope. it means the grinding ice. Ooh, so okay. you get up there and you just hear. Now we're at a rave. That would Every... actually be a cool club name. The Helkraxe. <laughs> Or, the, or just the grinding, the grinding ice. ice. <laughs> the grinding ice. All, <laughs> all the drinks have ground ice in it. It's the fancy, oh, like my Lord of the ice. Rings coffee shop for the gays. It'll just be ice for coffees. The, this is a very specific business model. You, have I know, going. I know my audience. 
I know the Twitter group I have fell into. I know hey, they would love a Lord Twitter. of the Rings iced support, coffee shop called the our Grinding Patreon Ice. And we can get a uh, we can get a gay Tolkien coffee house started. Uh, please, yeah. folks, tweet me, DM me when this comes out. I want to see a thread of people who would come. Thanks. It it'll just be your house. <laughs> That's and fine. Us wearing like little barista outfits and just like, hey, what can we get you? Still sounds great. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's one option, but they don't want to take that option right now because that's a crazy ass option and probably a lot of people will die from that option. <laughs> so That's too crazy out of everything they've already done before, but go on. Yeah. And they are currently in the middle of the continent, so not only would they have to walk a long distance to get to the edge of it, but like where they are now, like they're at the widest point of where the ocean separates Valinor from Middle-earth. Like, that is the longest point. So, instead, they go to their friends, the Teleri, the elves who came last. Um, if you remember the Teleri, their king was uh, Elwe, who fell in love with, like, that goddess in the forest while they were going to Valinor. stared into each other's eyes. Yeah, and then they couldn't find him, and then eventually his brother Elwe led like those who would like who were like tired of searching for him he led them to Valinor mm-hmm. where they uh where the Noldor actually helped them build their city on the coast Alqualande which I think we covered before but that means um Haven of the Swans I believe ooh and so because pretty. like the Noldor helped them out by like building the city because they were uh, they came a bit late. There's always been like this good friendship between the Noldor and the Teleri. And the Teleri have boats. And so the Noldor are like, hey, we're in good with the Teleri. Let's see if we can borrow their boats. My notes for the Teleri is Vibin, comma, Singin. And I'm going to add comma, boats. Yes. They are big They're like happy people. Vikings. Well, they're not even Vikings. Like they don't raid or anything. They just go out on pleasure cruises. Yeah, they're, they're a happy they yacht club. Yeah, they are literally like happy yacht club, or just kind of like anyone you know who like owns a boat and is just like, hey, let's take <laughs> this baby out on the water, huh? Grab a few beers. Those are the Teleri. Okay. So Feanor goes to Alqualande. Uh, he gets there first with his little, uh his own personal group because the Noldor have basically split into three groups. The smallest are like the extremists who are like hardcore fan or supporters. They include his sons. Uh, and basically political, huh? Yeah. Like they are, uh, like they're the like hardcore Trumpers. <laughs> um, no, I won't, <laughs> I won't drag fan mud through the water that much. Uh, <laughs> He, like, they are like the big time supporters of him. Then just behind him are, I think, the biggest group, which are Fingolfin's group, who are following him, uh, because they both want, they do kind of want to support Feanor, but they find Fingolfin to be much nobler and much more level headed. So they're following mm. him, and then I think the second biggest group is following Fenarfin at the end because he's. He's basically looking after the ones who are very hesitant to leave uh, or who like who are just kind of they're they're taking their time. Uh, <laughs> so Feanor gets there first and he goes to Alway. He's like, hey, you and your brother were go- good friends with my dad, who's now dead. Uh, help Ooh. us avenge him. Uh, just sail us over on your boats. Uh, we can we can give you good payment. Uh, come on. This is. Is a no-brainer. We're friends. Come on. And so, but Alway, uh, he's heard, he's gotten word from the Valar of what Feanor intends to do, and he's heard of what Melkor, uh, sorry, Morgoth has done. Ooh. And Alway uh, uh, always hated Morgoth and was always like, he's up to something. And so Morgoth was never allowed in Alquilande. And Which is smart. Mm-hmm. Smart move. And Alway uh, trusts the Valar to at least see things through, keep things safe. He basically tells Feanor, no, I'm not gonna 
like we're sorry that these things have happened to you like we'll cry with you but we're not gonna sail you guys to middle earth because it's a dumb idea <laughs> and, thinking uh Feanor put says put down well yeah Feanor says you renounce your friendship even in the hour of our need you uh yet you were glad indeed to receive our aid when you came at last to these oh, shores faint heart faint hearted loiterers and well nigh empty handed in huts on the beaches would you be dwelling still had not the Noldor carved out your haven and toiled upon your walls but Alway answered we renounce no friendship but it may be the part of a friend to rebuke a friend's folly. And when the Noldor welcomed us and gave us aid, otherwise then you spoke. In the land of Amman we were to dwell forever, as brothers who ho whose houses stand side by side. But as for our white ships, those you gave us not. We learned not that craft from the Noldor, but from the lords of the sea. And the white timbers we wrought with our own hands, and the white sails were woven by our wives and daughters. Therefore we will neither give them nor sell them for any league or friendship. For I say to you, Feanor, son of Finway, these are to us as are the gems of the Noldor, the work of our hearts, whose like we shall not make again. So he's like, Whoa. you know how obsessed you are with your Silmarils? These ships are our Silmarils. Okay. If we give them away to you, we'll never make ships like these ever again. Damn. Tolkien throwing down some words. I I can relate. I don't know why, but I feel like I'm on their side with ships being a little more valuable than these little jewels. Okay, they're not just little jewels. They're like the size <laughs> of your fist, and they glow. Medium-sized glowing jewels. Come on, they're cool, <laughs> and they're magic. And Varda like bless them. Varda okay, bless them. Okay. That's true. That's the one thing they have going for them. They still, they still smell like Varda. <laughs> Tori steals them just to sniff them. Just ah, Stark Rain. Uh, now you're making me sound like a creepy obsessed fan. Just fan, <laughs> just fan. Varda's just Varda's only fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, reel it back, reel it back. It's just, it's just <laughs> videos of constellations. God. Anywho. <clears throat> wow. So they asked to use their boats, and they're basically like, "We love these boats as much as you love your mm -hmm. Silmarils." So Feanor walks away, and he's fucking pissed. And he he's always sits. pissed. He just sits like by a fountain or something, and just thinks <laughs> real hard. And then eventually, he goes to his men and just goes, "Start manning the boats." We're just going to take them. They're going to steal the boats? And so Feanor's men start to get on the ships. Oh, no. And the Teleri's sailors are like, uh, fuck no. He's doing exactly what happened to him. And they start to fight. Oh, God. And uh, Feanor has, like, the minority of his people with him at the moment. He only has a few people. Wow. This is, like, the center of where the Teleri live. So... There are way more Teleri than there are Noldor. And so the Teleri are beating the shit out of these Noldor. And they're like throwing them into the ocean. Some of the Noldor As are wearing armor, so they sink. As um, they should. They're stealing their boats. Eventually, uh, Fingolfin arrives with his group. And he okay. doesn't know what's happened. He doesn't know what Feanor's done. All he sees are the Teleri attacking his people. Oh, man. And so he and his sons, they all charge in, weapons drawn, and start killing the Teleri. And the thing about the Teleri is, like, they don't have armor. Like, they don't have armor. They don't have really good swords. They mostly have spears and bows. Those are the weapons they have. And the Noldor are heavily armored. They got heavy weaponry. And they just slaughter the Teleri. No, they got the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, my God. This is how wars happen. Yeah, and uh, thus it was at last the Teleri were overcome, and a great part of their sailors that dwelt in Alqualande were wickedly slain. For the Noldor were become fierce and desperate, 
and the Teleri had less strength and were armed for the most part but with slender bows. Then the Noldor drew away their white ships and manned their oars as best they might, and rowed them north along the coast. And Alway called upon Ase, but he came not, for it was not permitted by the Valar that the flight of the Noldor should be hindered by force. But Uinan wept for the mariners of the Teleri, and the sea rose in wrath against the slayers, so that many of the ships were wrecked, and those in them drowned. Of the kin slain at Alquilonde, more is told in that lament which is called the Noldalante, the fall of the Noldor, that Maglor made ere he was lost. Damn. This is the first time an elf has killed another elf. Not just the killed, they slaughtered? Yeah. There are, like, paintings of, like, the kinslaying where the ships are being stolen and there are just so many elf corpses just in the harbor Damn, that it's this turning is red. so dark. Mm-hmm. And I'm so, so uh, they take the ships, uh, but a large portion of the Noldor uh, don't, like, they don't have enough ships for everyone. And especially when the sea rises in wrath and wrecks a bunch of the ships in vengeance for the Teleri. Um, but Feanor survives, his sons survive. Everyone of we've named basically survives this. Little um, bees. Yeah, Wait, did um did any of the Teleri survive, or did were they like all? Oh, not it wasn't like a wholesale genocide. It was just a large. It chunk. was anyone who was basically trying to stop them from taking yeah. the ships were God, basically cut down. That's so evil. Um, I dislike the Silmarils even more now because it was all all the fucking all gems. What the yeah. what the heck? Feanor, um, cool your jets. And so the majority of the Noldor, like, they see this and their hearts are kind of like, oh, shit, what have we done? A lot of them, uh, most of them, actually, go by land while, like, they keep, like, while the those on the ships kind of stick next to the coasts because they can't just sail right across now because the sea is pissed off. So they're sticking to the coastline where they're kind of safer. <laughs> and so Everyone's pissed. You have the majority of the Noldor walking by foot northward, mostly like the families and such, while the warriors of the Noldor are in the ships kind of keeping pace with them. And so eventually uh, they get farther north, and uh, I'll read out what happens. There they beheld suddenly a dark figure standing high upon a rock that looked down upon the shore. Some say it was Mandos himself, and no lesser herald of Manway. And they heard a loud voice, solemn and terrible, that bade them stand and give ear. They all halted and stood still, and from end to end of the hosts of the Noldor, the voice was heard speaking the curse and prophecy, which is called the prophecy of the North, and the doom of the Noldor. Much it foretold in dark words, which the Noldor understood not until the woes indeed after befell them. But all heard the curse that was uttered uh, upon those that would not stay, nor seek the doom and pardon of the Valar. Tears unnumbered ye shall shed, and the Valar will fence Valinor against you and shut you out, so that not even the echo of your lamentation shall pass over the mountains. On the house of Feanor the wrath of the Valar lieth from the west unto the uttermost east, and upon all that will follow them it shall be laid also. Their oath shall drive them, and yet betray them, and ever snatch away the very treasures that they have sworn to pursue. To evil shall all things turn that they begin well, and by treason of kin unto kin, and the fear of treason, shall this come to pass. The dispossessed shall they be forever. Ye have spilled the blood of your kindred unrighteously, and have stained the land of Amon. For blood ye shall render blood. And beyond Amon ye shall dwell in death's shadow. For though Eru appointed to you to die not in Ea, and no sickness may assail you, yet slain ye shall be, and sl uh, yet slain ye may be, and slain ye shall be, by weapon and by torment and by grief. And your houseless spirits will come to Mandos. There long shall ye abide and yearn for your bodies, and find little pity, though all whom ye have slain shall entreat for you. And those that endure in Middle-earth and come not to Mandos shall grow weary of the world, as with a great burden, and shall wane, 
and become as shadows of regret before the younger race that cometh after. The Valar have spoken. Then many Damn. quailed, but Feanor hardened his heart and said, We have sworn, and not lightly, this oath we will keep. We are threatened with many evils, and treason not least, but one thing is not said, that we shall suffer from cowardice, from cravens, or the fear of cravens. Therefore I say that we will go on, and this doom I add, the deeds that we shall do shall be the matter of song until the end of Days of Arda. And so Feanor's like, no, fuck that. We are going. If we've and learned anything, nothing can stop him. Yeah, basically. He's received multiple warnings, um, multiple <laughs> HR, obstacles. HR is just pulling him in. like. <laughs> and he's still you've, like, you've, no. He's received multiple warnings. I'm sorry. But... And ignored every single one. Mm -hmm. Blatantly. So I'm afraid we're going to have to let you go. That whole thing sounded awful. And he still was like, nope, we're going to continue. Mm -hmm. Not even, like, it's not just affecting him either. His whole crew, family, people. Yeah. All um, for some silly morels. Basically. Um, and who was giving this, like, curse doom warning? Uh, no one knows. It was a shadowy figure. Some say it was Mandos himself, who oh. is the doomsman of the Valar. While some say it was just another herald of Manway. But I think hmm. having an actual god pronounce your doom is much more interesting. And I kind of think it was him. Um, spooky. But uh, Finarfin, at this point, is like, okay, no, fuck this. It's All right? About time. He's like, this has gone way too far. We've killed our own kindred. And now they're saying if we follow through with all of this right now, there'll be no turning back and we're going to be filled with grief and everything we love will be torn away. So I'm going home. Uh, who's going with me? Smart. Narfin smart. Yeah. And so uh, many people with uh, went back with him. Also, Finarfin, his wife is the daughter of Alway. She's a Teleri. So that's mm. also another element of him being like very closely joined with the Teleri and being like disgusted by what has happened. Yeah. Uh and so they basically like retrace their steps and return to Tuna, where Finarfin is basically made king of the Noldor in the Blessed Realm. Mm. Okay. Smart move, Finarfin. But he and his wife are alone because his sons don't return with him. They stay with Feanor and Fingolfin. And his daughter Galadriel stays with Feanor and Fingolfin. She doesn't turn back either. This family has some drama. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of... It hurts a bit. Yeah. And uh, all the Fingolfin's folk, they, they stay with him. Uh, he is loyal to Feanor now uh, through Hell and High Water. So and it was so, basically just Finarfin and his wife. Remind me her name. Uh, her name is Arwen. Ar. And they uh, and they have like their own little contingent of people. Well, not little. Many people go with them, but the majority are still holding on to this course. Yeah. Um. It's wild to me. I would like to say I would go back with Finarfin, but I don't think I would have even made it that far. As soon as yeah. Feanor was like, "We're gonna steal their ships." Mm-hmm. Like, um, maybe we should think about this. <laughs> <laughs> they finally get to this part of the sea where it's kind of much more narrower, right before they hit the, they hit the Helkaraxe. And they start to debate because up here it's now very cold. And they don't have as many supplies anymore because they've been marching north for so long. And a lot of Fingolfin's followers start to curse Feanor. And they're like, well, this is bullshit. What is he going to do? He's led us this far. <laughs> Maybe Fenarfin was right. Maybe we should turn back as well. And uh, Feanor uh, hears all this. And he talks with his sons. And he's like, well, from this point, we either go by land and abandon these ships. Or we take what few ships we have and cross over now. And They fought so hard for those ships. If they mm -hmm. just desert them. Feanor doesn't, know. Um, he... Mans the ships with his own men, his own warriors, his sons, and uh, is like, okay, let's go. 
And so they sail to the other side. And you can just sort of, at this point in the world, you can just sort of barely see Middle Earth on the horizon. You can mm. sort of see it from there. And they sail away. Castaways. Yeah, and so... We are castaways. They, they take the ships at night and sail across, leaving Fingolfin and all his people, and it's mostly families alone, uh, back on land. And they get to the other side, and Mithros, uh, Feanor's eldest son, who's really, uh, really close with uh, Fingolfin's son, Fingon, he's like, okay, well, let's send the ship's back. We'll start ferrying people across. Should we get, uh, who are we going to bring over first? Fingon the Valiant? He, he, rec- he calls him Fingon the Valiant, and <laughs> granted, they're cousins, and, but people are also like, there might be a little gayness here, but, uh, <laughs> Okay, uh, okay. Feanor replies with, None and none. What I have left behind, I count now no loss. Needless what? baggage on the road it has proved. Let those that cursed my name curse me still, and wind their way back to the cages of the Valar. Let wait, the ships wait, wait. burn. Wait, wait, wait. Back it up. Back yeah. it up. So he sails over. Yep. Yeah him and his closest whatever a ship full yeah he has his men man all the ships all his like most loyal like followers they man the ships and they sail over and his eldest son is like okay well are we gonna start ferrying other people over now and And he's like like, nah nope and they burn the ships they burn the ships they burn the ships once they get onto the western shores of middle earth I'm they so angry right now. They... It, uh, so they just was... left those other elves there? Just yeah. behind? Yeah, without they any... left them behind. Without oh any my help. God. And, like, this he burns... son of a bitch. Feanor burns these ships, and it, the burning is so bright that Fingolfin, Fingolfin can see it on the other side of the ocean. And he is fucking pissed because he's now he's filled with bitterness because he's thrown away everything because they have two choices now go back groveling to the valar in his mind or keep going god and yeah keep going and follow someone who like just doesn't care about them and basically cast them away after they've followed him through hell and high water Mm -hmm. oh my god but this at is, this point, this is he like a telenovela. Is willing to do this out of spite, because at to this keep point, going, he, yeah, because <laughs> he, he, he's at this. Uh, the reasoning is, uh, but now he desired now as never before to come by some way to Middle Earth and meet Feanor again, and so I've always read that as he wants to meet Feanor again to make him look him in the eye and tell him why he betrayed him and his people like this. <laughs> I feel like Fanor wouldn't even care. Probably not. But He'd be like, my Silmarils! Fingolfin is, like, very noble, and that's why he's like, I need it. God. I need, I need to find out if the man I've sworn myself to is truly a monster. I can't... He is a monster! I can't believe these turns of events. This is and appalling. So he goes to his people, and is like, those of you who can like who are still willing we're going to cross the grinding ice and the grinding ice Tori's coffee gonna, shop it's going to take a long time and i don't know if all of us will make it but i'm going and God. the majority of his people say we'll follow you you're you've been our noble leader so far they're all stupid and yeah during the crossing uh a lot of them die falling into these, like, cracks in the ice. Dang. Uh, and Turgon, uh, Fingolfin's son, he loses his wife in the crossing. No. And, yeah, some also just die from, like, the bitter cold. Like, they're basically tramping through the Arctic at this point. Man. Yeah, and so we find... A lot of the... people are dying in this episode. Yeah. And Heck. so that's what's happened with the... Uh, Noldor. Uh, That's going to be the title of this 
episode. Yeah, that's what everyone dies. Everyone dies. Spoiler Um, alert! Everyone. Thing is, that could be used for a lot of chapters. Oh my god! So we will leave the Noldor there for now and talk for a minute about what's been happening in Middle Earth since the elves left. So in this time, Elway has taken on uh, the title of um, his name. He's changed his name to Ilu Thingol, which is King Greymantle. Oh, man, uh, not a name change. Sorry, say it one more time. What is his uh, name? Elway is now going by the name Ilu Thingol, which means okay. King Greymantle. <laughs> uh, and, well, it's not really even too much of a name change. It's primarily, like, the language has changed because... Mm. They've they are the his people who stayed behind the Teleri who didn't cross into over the sea with his brother. Uh, they become known as the Sindar, mm. which uh, they're which means the Gray Elves. Oh, okay. And like they've lived under starlight their entire lives. They haven't had the light of the trees of Valinor. They've lived in Middle Earth, and oh yeah, because uh, there's no light at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, like, they've lived in the forests and stuff. They must be really pale. Uh, uh yeah. Check, I guess. <laughs> Technically, maybe. Um, no tanning beds? <laughs> but, uh, while they are living there, they meet the dwarves. Oh, intro. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'll read a little bit about them. Uh, it came to pass during the second age of the captivity of Melkor that dwarves came over the Blue Mountains from er- of Arid Luin into Beleriand. Themselves they named Kazad, but the Sindar called them Naugrim, the stunted people, and Gonhirim, masters of stone. Far to the east were the most ancient dwellings of the Naugrim, but they had delved for themselves great halls and mansions after the manner of their kind in the eastern side of Arid Luin. And those cities were named in their own tongue Gabilgathol and Munzahar. To the north of the great height of Mount Dolmed was Gabilgathol, which the elves interpreted in their tongue as Belagost, that is Mikleberg. And southward was delved to Munzahar by the elves named Nogrod, the Hollowbold. Greatest of all the mansions of the dwarves was Kazadum, the Dwerodelf, Hadhadrond in the elvish tongue that was in after days in the darkness called Moria. But it was far off in the mountains of mist beyond the wide leagues of Eriador, and to the Eldar came but as a name and a rumor from the words of the dwarves of the Blue Mountains. So, essentially, the dwarves show up, and they've just made uh, mansions for themselves in the mountains that are kind of bordering the lands of the elves. And they show up, and they're like, Hey, you guys... Can you guys use language as well? And the elves are like, yes, we do. <laughs> uh, specifically, the dwarves, like the elves, don't like dwarvish. They think it's uncouth. They think it sounds ugly. And the dwarves are like, fuck you. We didn't even want to tell you our language. It's our secret language that we were Damn. taught by our god. So, no, we're not teaching you our language, but we'll learn your language. Oh, so that's very kind of them. That you never hear a dwarf speaking dwarvish in person. They're usually speaking like Sindarin. Oh. And they they're like suspicious of the uh Sindar because the Sindar are kind of unlike them. The Sindar are more about trees and boats. And the dwarves are like, we sink and <laughs> we don't like trees too much. But we will trade. And uh, Iluthingal basically uh, commissions them to hollow out this cave system uh, he found in the middle of this big forest called Doriath. And they make it beautiful, and he, he makes it uh, his uh, home, basically. And uh, he I calls... I like to see them getting along. Good yes. for them. And it becomes called Menegroth, the Thousand Caves. Ooh. And, uh, like, both the elves and the dwarves worked together on that and, like, joined their labor together to make it look really nice. And 
Melian, this goddess who married uh, Thingol, uh, she and her maidens fill it with woven hangings. Uh, that more basically, tapestries. Yeah, that basic. Yeah, more tapestries. <laughs> Could always use more tapestries. <laughs> and they make it basically beautiful and lively, and uh, it becomes uh, like the fairest dwelling that's ever been east of the sea. Hmm, it sounds lovely. Mm-hmm. And for a time, it sounds like a perfect place to play hide and seek. Yeah, a thousand and... caves and tapestries. And for a time, like, there's quite a bit of peace. Like, you have Tyrdan and his elves living on the coast of Middle-earth. Like, they're doing all right. They're just hanging out in their boats. Uh, you have Thingol in his forest home. King Greymantle just, like, chilling with his goddess wife. And <laughs> then you have the dwarves coming and visiting. And, like, there's trade and they're doing all right with each other. Let me uh, tell you, Paul, I could use some peace after that slaughter that we just mm-hmm. witnessed. And then Melkor shows up with the Silmarils oh, in Middle-earth. Oh no, here we go. Uh, because Angband, his ancient fortress, is to the north of all this. So he has um, to pass through to get there? Well, no, but now that he's there, like, Angband isn't that far away from Doriath. Mm. Like, um, and of course, like, the man's obsessed with world conquest, so even if they did As live far does. away, he would be a problem eventually. <laughs> um, and at this point, orcs have been like wandering this part of the land. Like they've been acting like as petty bandits, basically, like waylaying <laughs> travelers and taking their shit, and then and sometimes killing them. Remind me, he killed Spider Lady, and then took the Silmarils. Uh, the, he he and the Balrogs and Sauron basically scared her off. Okay. And then she ended up eating herself oh, God. because she was so fucking hungry. <laughs> um, what a way to go. What a way to go. And so, like, evil creatures start to come out from Angband, this great fortress in the north, and start to infest the land. So that Melian has to make this magical barrier around Doriath, which, like, basically makes it a maze for anyone who's not supposed to be there. And so they get lost mm. and simply can't enter it. Like there, you'll it's walk, like a, you'll a start labyrinth? walking in one. You'll yeah, you'll start walking in one direction, but for, somehow you end up like leaving the forest in the exact same position. Oh, and you're like, what the hell? And it's called the Girdle of Melian. The Girdle of Melian. Mm-hmm. Uh, question. Yeah. Was Jimmy okay when he was writing all this? Because it got real dark. Well, he started writing this when he was fighting in World War One. Uh, like a lot of these ideas he got from like when he was in the trenches with his little notebook writing down his idea of a mythology. God, that checks out so much. I just got chills a little bit. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there is this alliance between the elves and dwarves of Middle Earth where like the elves are like, uh, we need help defending ourselves. Can you make us weapons? And the dwarves are like, yes, we'll make you good weapons. And oh, Alliance, I like this. Yes. Uh, a fun fact is uh, there's a name drop here of Ooh. a dwarf named Telkar, who was the Telkar. greatest smith at the time. Mm. And uh, he makes a sword, which ends up being Aragorn's sword in Lord of the Rings. Ooh. That's, wow. the, that's the fancy sword that Aragorn has. It's from this time in uh, Middle-earth. Was um, it just passed down forever? Uh, well, yeah. I, I'm assuming it was given to the elves to defend themselves against these orcs. Mm. The elves had it for a while. Then it ended up in the hands of men. And then eventually, somehow, it ended up in the hands of like uh, Aragorn's like distant, distant ancestors. And kind of became like an heirloom of his house. Ooh, but, um, that's cool. Does his sword have a name? Uh, it is Narsil uh, at this point. Uh, and then it gets broken when uh, Elendil and Isildur fight Sauron later on in the Second Age. Oh, and then is that when, the when it's reforged. Sword? Yeah, that's the broken sword. And then it gets reforged. Oh. And Aragorn renames it Anduril, which I think it means like Flame of the West or something. Oh. 
but yeah, and so they align themselves, and they also teach the Sindar how to forge things, but they're not as good as the dwarves. And the dwarves are really good at making chain mail uh, that no mm. other race can make at this point. Mm. And uh, but the race is basically what do we have? Elves, dwarves, Ents or Ents there right now? Uh, Ents are sticking to the forests. They don't really get involved until yeah. later on. Um, um, and then humans, like are, humans aren't there. Humans aren't there, uh, but there are orcs, and that's about it. Okay. Uh, they also make alliance with the green elves of Assyriand, who are very isolationist kind of hippie elves. Honestly, who... they should isolate because we saw what happened to the rest of the elves. Yeah, and they live in like these, like they live in trees. Ooh. And well, the green elves arrive at this point because they've been living in the south and they kind of move up here. And they meet Thingol, and Thingol's like, hey, can you stick around and help us out against these orcs? And the green elves are like, yeah, sure, man. And they live in this place called Osiriand, which is the land of seven rivers. Mm. I want to go to all of these places in Tolkien's universe. They all sound so stunning. Mm -hmm. And uh, when Melkor finally gets himself settled in Angband, he sends out these big armies of orcs. And essentially, they cut off people from each other. They cut off the elves from the dwarves, so the dwarves are stuck in their mountains. They cut off the uh, elves at like on the coasts. Uh, they cut them off so that Dori, uh, like Thingol, can't send them help from Doriath. Mm. And uh, like they're they're kind of stuck there. And it's into this that Feanor and his soldiers arrive. Oh. And I think we'll stop it there for now because oh. we are limited on time. And if I start the next part, we'll be here the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, damn. Yeah. We'll end it there. What a time. This one had a lot of slaughter. I was not prepared. Maybe that's why we also had to keep it short. You know, we can't get it, let it get too depressing quite yet. <laughs> We, we gotta, gotta take it one slaughter at a time. Yeah, we gotta we gotta divide up these uh blood baths, you know. As one does. As one. Hot damn. Yeah, so that's that's what we've got so far. <laughs> uh that's just a taste of the kind of whack ass shit that we're gonna see in the future. I I'm really angry with Feanor. Yeah. He caused all of this. If he just kept his jewels, mm -hmm. he just kept the Silmarils on him, that's we wouldn't why, be here. That's why always keep your valuables on you at all times. Yeah. Really keep them close. Uh, but yes, so that is it from me for now. Uh, have you any things to oh, say? Oh, yeah. Quick shout out. Um, I think was it the first podcast or maybe the second one um, episode where I was like, "Hey, send me pics of Varda," because by now y'all know I'm heckin' obsessed. Mm. And shout out to Catherine who just drew me her. Was like, "Oh, here, Tori, I drew Varda for you." And let me tell you, I'm still screaming about it. Thank you, Catherine. She is beautiful. And now the wallpaper on my phone. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, also, while we do the special thanks, special thanks out to Wool for doing the uh, art for this Yay, podcast. And as always, special thanks to Jack Hook for uh, Jack. Uh, composing the music and sending it to me. And of course, thank you all for listening to our shit. Uh, you guys should have better taste, but you don't. So <laughs> we'll accept that. Thanks for um, sticking with us and our rambles and uh, fun, fun chats. Support our Patreon for the <laughs> Hell Karakse, the Grinding Ice coffee shop coming to LA soon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's probably like the only place we could get away with making a Tolkien themed coffee shop. And the grand opening will be on a Bilbo Baggins birthday party it would have to on be. September 18th. It would have to be the 22nd so. of September. 
See y'all there. Yeah, but uh, also, uh, heads up to anyone interested. I will be in L.A. uh, for about a week or so. I believe I'm there from the 16th to the 23rd. And I live in L.A., so we did it, guys. We we brought Paul to L.A., and little does he know we're going to trap him here. Shh. Oh, no. Well, (laughs) as long as I don't have to pay rent there, I should be fine. (laughs) Um, But yes. so I will be in town for that, uh, uh, specifically for the uh, OneRing.net's uh, Bilbo Baggins birthday party taking place in, I think it's Griffith Park, mm-hmm. um, on the 18th. Uh, so I hope to see many of you there. Unfortunately, Tori won't be there, but uh, I will be signing autographs in her name <laughs> uh, for a price. <laughs> um, <laughs> And we might do a live podcast or like a video podcast. Yeah, we probably. I'll probably because not only will we have a Tolkien Tuesday episode. Yeah. Uh, but I'll probably also want to record like a video one of us just doing a silly Merlin episode while we're there too. So get Man, hyped. Get hyped. We got a lot. We got a lot to look <laughs> forward to in September. Uh, so yeah, thank you everyone for watching. Not watching. You're not watching. <laughs> if you're watching this somehow i'll put on a shirt next time um so yeah thank you everyone for listening to this and hope to see you guys later so goodbye bye And so, in this time, like, the dwarves and elves make this alliance where the dwarves are like, oh, we're funny. Please excuse, one second. <laughs> no worries. Oh, barky. Barky, honey. This is the time the mailman comes. So, <laughs> hold on. Well, I guess sh- there's some mail. <laughs> yeah, let me go shut her up one sec. Oh, goodness. Beautiful. Beautiful. Honey the dog barking a lot. Singing a song so Craig doesn't leave. Honey barks, honey barks. Please add that in the podcast. Honey. Oh, I will. I will. It'll be. <laughs> it's our new jingle. <laughs>